people of, people of God rejoiced and said, Amen. I invite you to turn to our focal scripture point verse today. In the book of Timothy, we'll be looking at verse, uh, chapter 3, verses 2 through 5. If you'd like to follow along, the world will be on the screen, or you might use your own Bible, or if you have your Bible app open there as well. Paul is writing to Timothy, his son in the faith, one he had mentored in the faith. Timothy is leading churches in Ephesus, and Paul's giving Timothy some guidance as he is himself, Timothy, is mentoring and guiding leaders in the local church. And he's here talking about the qualities and characteristics expected of one who is an overseer or pastor leader in the church. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife or her husband, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He or she must manage their own family well and see that their children obey them, and they must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage their own family, how can they take care of God's church, says Paul. The word of the Lord for all of us today. Thanks be to God. I love the church. I love the church. And I'm thankful to have the opportunity to serve in the church. The local church is the hope of the world. We've established that in this series already. The local church is the hope of the world. And in spite of our own imperfections and our past and our brokenness, our sins, God still uses us to bring about life change in this world, to bring the hope of Jesus Christ to the world around us. Yes, government is very important. Yes, the educational system is very important. Yes, the economic system, the social system, nonprofit agencies that do all kinds of good are very important. But the local church is the hope of the world. And you, if you look around, whenever there is a, a disaster or a crisis, the local church often, more often than not, are, is, is the first group on the ground. Uh, we, we see the local church active in Nepal, helping in such a difficult crisis situation. And you are probably familiar with many others that you have uh, witnessed over the years. So I'm very thankful for those who make up the local church. There are many of you who have spent a lifetime as members of this church and, and others perhaps, and you've probably forgotten more than I'll ever learn about what it means to be a member of the church. But yet there are others who may be new, others who may be just searching or seeking and have just gotten involved in the church, and they may need to, to know what is it all about? What, what does it mean to be a member of the local body of Christ? So our prayer is that this message series on church membership is a help to all of those, whether longtime members or newcomers, that we'll all be better equipped to understand what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. We've talked about how each person is a, plays a unique role in the body of Christ, and Julie did a wonderful job sharing from her own perspective this morning, and I loved how she said uh, maybe we 
re-gift the gift that God has given us. I had not heard that concept until I heard her say that this morning, that we can re-gift the spiritual gift God has given us through service. We also spoke in the week about being a unified body of Christ, that we can do more together than we could ever do alone, and that unity is vital to the health and the growth of the local church. And then last week we learned to have the mind of Jesus Christ, which means to be humble and unselfish. Today we're going to focus on the importance of effective, ongoing and sustaining prayer for pastors and leaders. We need your prayers. Someone has said that Christianity is a spiritual warfare. Paul has that wonderful passage in Ephesians 6, take up the full armor of God. You all would probably agree you've experienced that in spiritual warfare in your life in some way, whether it's a health crisis or whether it's persecution in some ways. We all face adversity and we need prayer. Your pastors and leaders are on the front lines every day as we lead. And I believe that churches want pastors and leaders to be emotionally and physically and spiritually healthy and strong and effective and productive in ministry, effective and productive in all that they do. Healthy mothers and fathers and spouses. Healthy leaders. And if you want all of that, It requires prayers of the people because there is great power in prayer. You heard read earlier, the prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. A devotional writer that I I read says, shared prayer adds power to the work of intercession. Through our prayers for one another, circumstances are changed and the real work of the kingdom is done. An individual may, may feel overwhelmed by the needs of the world or even the needs of a single congregation. But there is strength in numbers. Speaking as a pastor, pastors gain courage for the task of intercession when the community prays together, aware of Christ's presence among the gathered in His name. And then the devotional writer says, and the person for whom prayers are offered feels the added force of multiple prayers. We feel the added force of multiple prayers. Thank you for your prayers. Last week, I was able to go with my daughter, who's in fifth grade, on a field trip. I was a chaperone. This school where she attends does a lottery. And if you want to be a chaperone, you have to put your name in the lottery, and then they might draw you or they might not. Well, I got drawn, and I was so excited. We went to the York River State Park, and they were glad that some of the dads went because they wanted us to be in the canoes. So we had, Isabella's class had about a dozen canoes, I think, with the two guides that were with us. And the guide got us up about halfway to, well, the the point where he wanted us to turn around. He says, okay, we're going to turn around and we're going to raft. And I wasn't familiar with that concept. I guess I haven't done enough canoeing. So he turns around and then grabs hold of some of the reeds in the mud on the side that were firm and then says, okay, I want all the rest of you to link your canoes together. So we extended our paddles out or our arms out and and we all pulled each other together. We grabbed our canoes 
And then we were rafting. And as one unit, we floated. And then the guide gave us some talk about the marsh and the importance of the environment and the lay of the land. It it was just a wonderful day. But as I saw that image, I said, I've got to take a picture of this because it's a beautiful image of how the Christ is one group of people who are bound together to pray for their leaders. We are bound together in prayer for our leaders. Another great illustration is the shield of faith, as Paul mentions in Ephesians 6. He says, take up the full armor of God, and then one of the components of the armor of God is the shield of faith, and that can withstand the fiery darts that the enemy would hurl at the Roman soldier in warfare. But the shields can also be used to create a wall or almost uh, an ancient tank or you might say a tortoise shell concept. And all the Roman soldiers would link together their shields, creating this wall as they marched forward. And then the ones in the back lines would put them around them and up on top, creating this complete unit. And I, I see that as another image of the people of God joining together in prayer for your pastors and leaders. Be bound together in prayer, brothers and sisters. We really appreciate it and we need it. We can't do this on our own. We can't go through and seek to lead and equip on our own power. We must have the prayers of the people. The role of the pastor and all of us who are pastors in the church is to be overseers of the areas of ministry we are called to. Jesus gives us another image of shepherd, shepherd overseeing, watching over the flock. So we could put those together and it helps to form an image of the responsibility that we have as your pastors. Overseers, Paul says in verse 2, now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, and we would say her husband as well, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach there in verse 2. An overseer has oversight. The Greek word is episkopos, which means to look out over, to, to be responsible for the ones you're charged with overseeing. The word found elsewhere regarding church leadership is presbyteros, also translated elder. And elders have roots way back to Moses. They were known for their wisdom. Today, denominations like the Episcopalians and the Presbyterians use those terms to describe their way of governance in the church. But we're taking this image of pastor as shepherd and blending it with the responsibility of elder or overseer to understand the responsibility of the role of the Christian pastor in the church. Paul uses that to help Timothy teach those who were pastors and leaders. They're responsible for spiritual growth. I'm responsible as your pastor, as I oversee the flock, to help you, members and congregants, to grow and serve in the church. Through the ministry of preaching and teaching and others, my main role is to help equip you to be ministers in the fullest sense of the word. We are all ministers in the body of Christ. Paul writes in Ephesians 4, So Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip, 
to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. And the word equip means to help someone be what he or she ought to be. To help someone be what he or she ought to be. So as I look at that, my responsibility is to come alongside all of you in the church and help you to discover your purpose, to discover who God has called you to be and help you to be the very best that you can be. And that's a great responsibility. I seek to lead by example. We who are called leaders need to lead by example if we expect people to follow. And we can't do that on our own power. If we are called to be above reproach, to be found without fault, We need your prayers because we are all sinners and we all fall short of the expectations that God has. We are not superheroes. We are not to be worshipped. There are some pastors out there who have let it go to their head and you almost see pastor worship. It's a superhero. She's a superhero. And that's not at all a biblical understanding of what a pastor and leader should be. So we, as we lead, need your prayer and your care. And there's some very practical ways that you can do that. If you're taking notes, just three things that you can do to help care for your pastors here at HRBC. One, encourage. Encourage with words and acts of kindness and your generosity, helping us to be the best that we can be so that we can help you be the best that you can be. Thank you for your cards. Since we've been here, we've received lots of them and your words of encouragement, your emails. Those things, they may seem simple to you, but they are very, very meaningful to us. And so we thank you. Also, when you step up for ministry and you fulfill your ministry responsibility, that warms our hearts. We're very grateful that we know the work is being done. You can also continue to provide resources and tools for ministry. Adequate resources to be able to help those who are volunteering and serving under our area of ministry to do what it takes. Uh, For instance, back in the technology area, you've provided some wonderful resources that enable the people who are called to serve in that area to do a wonderful job and serve the greater good of the body of Christ. We're also very thankful that you provide resources to support our families and things like insurance, health insurance, you, you may think that's insignificant, but we're very thankful to have that. Things like uh, vacation and uh, study leave. This church provides sabbatical over uh, after a, someone has served over a period of time. These benefits are very long-lasting, and we really, really appreciate it. And the third way, we've talked about all message long, pray. Pray. Our challenge is to take the blue sheet that you've been given today. It says take 30 up at the top and pray at least five minutes a day for your pastors and your church leaders. Take 30. Let's all say take 30 together. Take 30. I ask that you would take 30, not only for your personal spiritual development, growth and development, but also to pray, to intercede on behalf of your pastors and leaders. So if you if you would take this and keep it in your Bible or wherever you have your devotional materials, or maybe at your office, and begin to cultivate a habit of sustaining prayer at HRBC, 
you will be blessed, and I know that we will be blessed too. It goes like this. Chair time. 15 minutes of Bible reading in your favorite chair. Maybe a cup of coffee or some tea, and 15 minutes of Bible reading. If you don't know where to start, I've given you some examples there in that third bullet point. And there's also an online Bible reading plan that you might engage in. Right now, I'm reading a plan called People, Great People in the Bible. And it started with Noah. And, and it'll take a different person and kind of walk through the scriptures that pertain to them. Fifteen minutes of Bible reading. Start with a minute of silence. And, and you'll find that you will wonder where the 15 minutes went. Prayer time. Five minutes of prayer a day for your pastors and their families. You can pray for us uh, to have wisdom as we lead and teach. Pray for our families. Pray for that we would have strong marriages. Pray that we would have balance in our family and work responsibilities. Pray that we would have protection from the enemy. Pray that we would live a life that is above reproach. Pray that we would have physical, emotional, and spiritual health. Pray that we would have a strong and consistent devotional life. And you may think of other things, but those are just a few examples. And care time, five minutes a day of prayer for your church family. You could use the Encourager, our midweek prayer guide, the Road, our monthly newsletter, or even your Sunday bulletin, which has a very thorough list of prayer needs. Or a Sunday school prayer list, five minutes a day for your church. And then air time, I kind of like this. The only reason I chose that because it rhymed with the other ones. All right, chair and prayer and care and some air time. Uh, you, you might pray for your family and friends, your neighbors in your community, uh, your school and your workplace, your schedule of activities for the day, your circles of influence, and things you see that stir your heart. Take 30. And I'm convinced that if all of us will make this a priority in our lives, you will start to see God do some amazing things in and through this church. I am convinced, I, I, just, I just know it, that God will move when His people together are reading in the Scriptures and seeking His guidance, and that when people are coming together as one body bound in prayer, that God will move and that you'll start to see the spiritual fruit of that. I'm convinced of that. As we go through this service each Sunday, we have shared a membership pledge. And I would invite you to join me in that now before we break bread together. It's found in your bulletin and also on the screen. Let's read together as a unified body. I am a church member. I will pray for my pastors every day. I understand that their work is never ending. Their days are filled with numerous demands that bring emotional highs and lows. They must deal with critics. They must be good spouses and parents. Because my pastors cannot do all things in their own power, I will pray for their strength and wisdom daily. Thanks be to God. I believe that there is never a time in the life of the church when we are more together than when we break bread together. Just as we have said we are bound in prayer, we are bound together through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who gave His life that we might have life and have it to the full. 
we remember the way in which Jesus met with his disciples the night before he died, and he took bread and he gave thanks and blessed it and broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. As often as you meet together, eat of it. This do in remembrance of me. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup and he blessed it and poured it out and said, this is my blood which is shed for you for the remission of your sins and the sins of many. This is the new covenant. As often as you meet together, drink it. This do in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the coming of the Son of Man. Our deacons will serve you in just a few moments. The bread is safe for all to eat. And we would pray that you would meet God during these few moments. All we ask is that you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Whether you're a member here at this church or another, that doesn't matter. We invite you to come if you're a follower of Jesus.